You're listening to an event from the U.S. Institute of Peace, part of the USIP Podcast Network. For more information about our work around the world, visit usip.org and check us out on social media. The U.S. Institute of Peace is pleased to welcome you to this important conversation with two leading champions for peace and economic development in Africa. We're honored to welcome His Excellency, President Felix Tshisekedi, President of the Democratic Republic of Congo and Chair of the African Union. We're honored to welcome Congresswoman Karen Bass, Chair of the House Foreign Affairs Subcommittee on Africa, Global Health and Global Human Rights. The incredible progress and promise of Africa is an inspiration to all of us. The African Continental Free Trade Area is the largest new free trade community in the world. The continent, as we all know, has enormous natural resources and ecosystems. Africa's youth population is one of the most vibrant in the world, and across many countries, the middle class is growing and prospering. Major leaps in health, education, technology, climate mitigation, communications, food security, and migration are within the grasp of Africa's 54 countries. It's deeply worrying that these gains, as incredible as they are, may be at risk because of the chaos and the misery that's been created by the COVID pandemic. I think all of us worry that it may take many years to recover from the loss of livelihoods. Parts of the Northeast and West Africa continue to be threatened by violent extremism and drought flooding food insecurity and mass migration, much of it linked to climate change, continue to impact a number of countries which are struggling to get on the right path and to continue to progress. His Excellency President Tshisekedi has set an ambitious agenda as the chair of the African Union, focused on tackling the pandemic, fostering peace and security, accelerating trade, combating climate change, promoting Africa's culture and empowering women and youth. Chairwoman Bass, who has worked tirelessly to promote peace building through her leadership of the House Foreign Affairs Africa Subcommittee, is one of the most powerful and persuasive voices and advocates for the Africa-US partnership. We are honored, President Tshisekedi, Congresswoman Bass, that you can join us this morning to reflect on the challenges facing Africa and how to promote peace stability and economic development throughout the continent. We invite everyone to follow the conversation on Twitter with hashtag AfricaUSIP. With your permission, we will now turn to the Vice President of USIP's Africa Center, Dr. Joseph Sani, who will introduce our panelists and moderate this morning's discussion. Thank you, Liz, and welcome to our audience. The Africa Union is an ever more important institution embodying African hopes for greater cooperation around key issues of development, peace, and security across the continent. While the Democratic Republic of the Congo sits at the heart of this important continent, the U.S. Congress has long played a leading role in leading in setting U.S.-Africa policy. So that means the stage is set for what promises to be an important discussion 
of how to deepen U.S. engagement to promote peace, stability, and development throughout Africa. I will now introduce our distinguished panelists. President Felix Tshisekedi has served as President of the Democratic Republic of the Congo since January of 2019, winning office to democratic elections held the previous December. The first peaceful transition of power since the country became independent from Belgium in 1960. President Tshisekedi leads the Union for Democracy and Social Progress Party, and earlier this year was distinguished by being selected to chair the African Union. Representative Karen Batts has served in the U.S. House of Representatives since 2011, representing California's Los Angeles County. Since entering Congress, Representative Bass has been a leader on United States-Africa relations, serving on the Africa Subcommittee, which she now chairs. Chairman, Chairwoman Bass is a strong believer in personal diplomacy, traveling often throughout Africa, including my own country of birth, Cameroon, where she's highly admired, respected for the incredible job she has done and she's, she continues to do. She's an innovative thinker on US-Africa policy. President Tshisekedi, Chairman, Chairwoman Bass, thank you for being with us. And now let's start the conversation. But before, some housekeeping uh, rules. So dear members of the audience, I would like to bring you into the conversation. So I encourage you to submit your question as the conversation evolves. Uh, this will encourage, uh, will allow me to feed your question into the flow of the conversation and save us some time. So let me begin with the president. President Tisekedi, you set an ambitious agenda when you were selected chairperson of the African Union. What are your major priorities that require support from the international community? I know you have, you have laid out nine priorities, but which one required support from the international community? Yeah, uh, merci beaucoup. Thank you very much, Mr. Vice President, for giving me the floor. And Ms. President, Karen Bass, thank you very much for honoring me and inviting me to this morning session. This uh, round table is important. I would like to greet uh, the representative uh, Karen Bass, uh, who is a prominent militant of the African cause and who uh, I would like to thank her from the bottom of my heart for joining us this morning to speak about Africa and more particularly of the Congo. As you said very clearly, Dr. Joseph Sani, uh, or, uh, since February, since last February, I was, I was of course raised to the rank of president of the African Union. Uh, for a year I've been uh, doing this and I think I will represent our, my continent during this and I will have the opportunity to defend its own interest during uh, international forums. And here I am, uh, I, I am here to, to answer directly your question, sir. Um, 
One of the major objectives of the African Union is to, of course, silence the arms. It was an objective that was set up as a priority and in 2020 with, uh, with uh, of course, uh, all what happened in 2020 with the pandemic. This was not possible, but uh, we, uh, we, it is always among our priorities and uh, we are looking forward to absolutely uh, bring uh, reinforce or uh, peace and security in Africa. Uh, you asked uh, what uh, what support could be given from the international community, and I believe that this would this, this should be supported by initiatives of peace, uh, and uh, that will be that were reinforced. And in this regard, I would like uh, to say between parentheses, uh, I would like to f to congratulate the role of the United States in the in the question of the uh, Great uh, Dam of uh, Ethiopia. I would like to thank you from the bottom of uh, of my heart for this initiative. Uh, uh, I would like to. If I want to speak about the Congo, the example of the Congo, uh, recently we've known, uh, especially in the East, the country uh, is undergoing some uh, violent, uh, some violence, uh, some extreme violence is going on in, in, in the West, and it's illustrated by a group, by an armed group. I know there are so many armed groups, but there is one that is particularly, uh, particularly, uh, particularly uh, important here because it has a, an, an Islamist extremist ideology and. Uh, uh, and without without any reason, because we 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 have seen things happening. Uh, uh, to, uh, and it has affected our populations. This requires, ladies and gentlemen, a great capability uh, of our of our forces of security of defense. Uh, and a tr training has to be put in place to to of course to uh, to have some capacity building. We need trainings to be able to fight this uh, violent extre uh, extremism. We need training for our intelligence corp in order to fight this phenomenon. We have we have uh, done a great uh, we have done a lot uh, uh, and and we have uh, tried to uh, to fight this uh, phenomenon recently we uh, we have uh, we have isolated these groups uh, but i think these groups have reconstituted themselves in small groups and and it affects uh, our population especially in small villages um, where there is not enough protection because we can't we can't spread our our army everywhere the, the congo is a big country you know so we need we are we have to be in out with additional means in order to continue our fight we have to be involved in this initiative and we need uh, to uh, to continue this war and to fight this uh, phenomenon extre violent extremism so this is uh, regarding peace uh, in addition to that we have a great big challenge in africa you have spoken about that in the past while you've uh, you were also introducing this morning and while you were speaking uh, this morning you have uh, spoken of the uh, free zone uh, uh, free uh, trade agreement zone, and uh, uh, it is not today that uh, we we will finish the, the the process. We will not be able to complete the process today. But we have decided to uh, uh, to uh, to uh, compile our energies and our forces in order to uh, to continue uh, and have like a free trade agreement uh, zone that will that will help uh, Africans to exert a commerce with Africa uh, and trade and to enhance trade in Africa. One of the 
biggest activities uh, uh, in trade uh, are, are are done outside Africa, as you know. But uh, uh, within our initiative, we have we have tried to examine ways whereby to see uh, whereby uh, Africans could be could do the trade could reinforce trade among themselves and and uh, and and try to have like a five billion dollars uh, as a to encourage profit of five million billion dollars it's a challenge that we uh, that we that has to include the united states and great nations uh, and europeans uh, could work together and could help us could help us to put in place uh, it, it's also in their best interest uh, uh, because they want africa to prosper and to thrive and i think it's it will be a great opportunity to encourage investment in africa uh, it is uh, a great project it is a challenge uh, and 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 we invite our partners to work with you hand in hand and uh, uh, to to support us uh, to uh, uh, least but not Last but not least, uh, Africa, uh, of course, has this. Uh, we we would like to work to enhance our uh, heritage and our uh, and our culture. Uh, you know that uh, the history of our of our of our country is rich, and uh, there are values that we would like to preserve. There is a culture that we would like to enhance and promote, uh, and uh, uh, we would like to give our uh, continent uh, uh, to provide our continent with the uh, prosperous sit situation and to a, a culture between uh, quotes our our country we are searching for our for our for our heritage for our uh, for our history and i know that there is a lot to do to enhance our heritage our culture and uh, there are so many people that have done great jobs in africa and there is a lot to do it's a challenge that we uh, we have to transcend we need to retrieve our identity we need it in order to build our future in order to solidify and reinforce uh, our 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 continent uh, we need to see africa as a as a as a future uh, as, as as the future i believe that africa is the future it is it is uh, it, it is uh, it has a youth uh, population uh, it has uh, women who are really inspired it has potential it has natural resources that need to be enhanced and i think that this africa can prosper and i think we can rebuild africa to make of it a prosperous and a successful africa uh, it is there is a lot to do in order to enhance our culture thank you very much uh, for I, i'm sorry i was a little bit long but i hope i summarized and i answered uh, your question thank you very much uh, would you like to share your thoughts on president sisekedi eu agenda and how does this agenda fit with the goals of the, your subcommittee on Africa, please. Well, first of all, thank you very much for the opportunity to be with you today. I have the utmost respect for the U.S. Institute for Peace and your programs there, and I look forward to the next time being, instead of being virtual, being in person. And it's wonderful to see you again, Mr. President. Uh, I certainly remember hosting you here on the Hill shortly after your election to the presidency of the DRC. Um, uh, first of all, it is just uh, very nice. I want everybody to understand that when it comes to the question of Africa, Africa is a very bipartisan issue. And I know uh, throughout the world, 
Uh, people watch what is happening in Washington, and they know that we have had our challenges over the last few years. But I can assure you that uh, many of those challenges have been resolved with a new administration that understands the continent of Africa, places Africa um, a very high on the agenda. And when I listened to the president speak and he talked about the, his uh, chairmanship of the AU uh, and also his presidency of the DRC, the question of security is utmost in our minds uh, as well. When it goes to the DRC and when it also comes to many countries on the continent of Africa, but first and foremost here on the Hill, we are concerned about the spread of COVID and want to do everything we can to make sure that the countries on the continent are able to address COVID, one in terms of testing, uh, treatment, and now of course vaccines and getting vaccines to the continent as quickly as possible, but also uh, ensuring that the continent can produce its own vaccines. So obviously getting them there now is critically important, but uh, making sure that the continent can build its own, develop its own infrastructure for addressing and manufacturing and producing vaccines. Um, we're always concerned here on the Hill on democracy and human rights and making sure that we uh, assist African countries in addressing extremism, just as the president described, and peace and stability. Because you really can't have an economy and a prosperous future. You certainly can't have investment without uh, peace and stability. And so enhancing our economic partnerships through expanded investment and trade is critical. Addressing COVID, strengthening democracy, and peace and stability are prerequisites for that investment. So thank you very much, and I look forward to our dialogue. Thank you, Madam Chairwoman. Uh, President uh, Tisakedi, uh, we mentioned, and you mentioned, uh, the democratic gains and the democratic election and the need for democracy. Uh, and Chairwoman also mentioned it as a priority. So I will, let me turn back to that question of democracy and human rights. Uh, Mr. President, what can be done to strengthen democracy and improve human rights in Africa, and particularly in Congo? Uh, I'm sure my Congolese brothers and sisters are looking at 2023 and wondering, uh, will the president make sure that these elections are free, fair, and what will the president do to ensure that we have an increasing civic space and respect for human rights in DRC? and as the AU chair in Africa. What can the AU oui. do and what do you do? Yes. Merci, merci, Dr. Sandy. Thank you, Doctor. So the first thing that I would like to say here about democracy is that it's about a culture of democracy. In Africa, our countries have gone through colonization, first of all, or rather most of our countries at least. And many of our states have also gone through uh, dictatorial regimes. And as a Congolese person, 
I, I got involved in a political party that fought against, that radically fought against uh, the dictatorial system that had taken hold in our country, and we fought against all forms of dictatorship. So our communities know this issue well. And I have the opportunity now to realize that now I am in power, I am a leader here now, and often we have had to decry instances of, of violations of human rights in our, within our own regimes, within our own teams. Sometimes there are arbitrary arrests that take place, sometimes there are instances of brutality. There are all these types of instances that show that we are not always up to par. So the best way to help us is to understand that. And often, I, by the way, I am often in contact with um, our ambassador, and the ambassador understands this very well, and he and he, sa he says it very often. And I'm I'm also encouraging him to keep us up to date with all the information that he may be able to obtain from the embassy. Uh, and from the various departments of their of the embassy that may involve our relationship, we want the embassy to to intervene and maybe ultimately to uh, to sanction those who are guilty of violating human rights. So it's a long process, but the main thing here is to guarantee rights and liberties for all people. Even though in reality there may be issues, we have to say it out loud. We have to repeat it often and out loud. We have to hammer that point home. That will affect people's behavior. And that's something I have observed too. Ever since I've come into my office, as, as you can imagine, I, I came into uh, the administration that was left behind by my predecessor. And when we, we, I took over from my predecessor, I took over the Security Council, and I gave out instructions. I said it clearly. I want us to close all the little gaps. I want us to get rid of these little connections between the police and the political powers. I don't want to see any more arbitrary arrests. I want protests not to be repressed. I just want them to be um, structured. And when protesters arrive at their destination, I want them to be dispersed peacefully, no violence there. And that worked, that has worked, that has had an impact. Obviously it's not perfect because people still have certain instincts that go back for decades, decades and decades. I mean, we're talking about the same police that has been around forever, the same army that I that I took over that was already working in the past that and has already in the past violated human rights. So these are the instincts that they have. So it's a daily it's daily work. It is not easy. But the goal here truly is to encourage us and not to 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 cry scandal each and every time there's an issue surrounding human rights. So I, I think that's one thing. Then there's the issue of education and training. Education and training for security forces, uh, for, uh, for order keeping forces, and even for members of the civil administration. Because the civil administration is the vector of justice. 
And sometimes they do not know all the information about certain rights and liberties, because rights and liberties are not just about violence or arbitrary arrests. Rights and liberties are also about uh, convictions that are incorrect or, or judgments that are incorrect or unjust. People who are unfairly punished by the justice system. All of this requires training. So we really want that support. And by the way, uh, right at the beginning of my term, I really appreciated when the United States uh, came to speak with our commission uh, against human trafficking. They offered us a training. The United States offered to train the representatives of our agency, and our agency members were even able to go to the United States to take a seminar. So I think that that type of initiative uh, will be able to help strengthen our capacities to fight against violations of human rights. But believe me, this really is one of our priorities. And we do need to manage to, we do need to achieve rule of law and we need to ensure rights and liberties for all our citizens. Yes, given that we have championed human rights and democracy in the continent for several years. Uh, so what can the Congress do uh, to support these democratic aspirations and the vision that the president has just laid out? What can the Congress do under your chairmanship, particularly of this subcommittee? Particularly what, I'm sorry? Particularly uh, as we chair the subcommittee on Africa and human rights. What can the Congress do? Sure. Well, uh, first of all, the, the Congre Congress can continue doing what uh, we have done for many, many years. I do think we can improve upon it, and that is supporting uh, efforts, supporting civil society in various African countries. With USAID funding, we have billions of dollars that go to the continent to, uh, to support this supporting African countries, developing their institutions. Just as the president said, when he came into the presidency, he was offered different trainings. Uh, we offer trainings for the security sector, trainings for civil society, trainings for government leaders. And then one program that I'm uh, particularly supportive of and have been excited about over the last uh, many years that started under President Obama is the YALI initiative, Young African Leaders Initiative. And we actually are passing and working on legislation now uh, on the Hill to make it permanent. Uh, so it's not just an initiative of one president, but actually putting it into law, where we invite uh, young leaders from every country on the continent to come to the United States for a few weeks. Uh, they also go, uh, well, they come to Washington, but they go to other cities and states with universities. They intern with universities, with the business sector, uh, with civil society. And, um, and I think that that is a very specific contribution. So continuing our assistance. Now, I do think that um, we need to promote more programs like Feed the Future and Power Africa, where it's not the US NGOs going over to the continent but actually supporting efforts on the ground, helping with building capacity. Um, I happen to think that we need to pay more attention to the infrastructure, uh, whether that's the infrastructure of education, health, or basic infrastructure, roads, bridges, uh, et cetera. I think we can do all, all of those things because 
it's important not to look at any issue on the continent in isolation. We need to look at it within its historical context, and we also need to look at it as to how it impacts the society, any particular country as a whole, and not an isolated uh, program, but the greater context in which the issue exists. Thank you, Chairwoman. I think I'm glad you mentioned the YALI, uh, the YALI program, and that allows me to talk about the youth bulge in Africa. Uh, President Tisekedi, we at least mentioned in the opening statement that we have Africa's experience in a kind of youth bulge with a vibrant youth population, I would put it that way. Uh, this is a blessing for Africa. But at the same time, President, what can the African Union do uh, to really leverage and take advantage of this vibrancy of this youth population? Yes, okay. Well, first of all, I would like to thank you. And I want to say that I absolutely agree with you. I believe that our demographics are a blessing. Yes, I do not at all agree with the opposite opinions that tend to say that this is dangerous, that it uh, threatens democracy. That is not true. And in Africa, if Africa is the continent of the future, which it is, that is thanks to our youth. Now, that youth can be both an advantage and also at the same time a, a, a kind of bomb. We have to structure, we have to frame that youth, we have to take care of our youth. If we do not, then, then it really will be a disaster. And the tragedy that we're seeing now in Africa is that things are really, we're really losing control. Be, people are thinking that, that we can find an El Dorado in this de demographic issue, but that's not really the case. And one of the, the main things that supports Africa is our youth, but our youth, we, we cannot think of our youth as being uh, powerless. I mean, our youth are taking the risk crossing the Mediterranean. They're fleeing, they're leaving their lives behind uh, without any prospects. So in DRC, uh, when I, when I uh, entered office, immediately I, uh, I put forward the idea of making education free. In the first year, that allowed us to bring 4 million children who are to get back into school. And the consequence of that was that, uh, was that we were able to help um, classes that, that had been overcrowded. We were able to provide, uh, well, we, we did have overcrowded classrooms, but at least we were able to educate these children. We were able to get them into activities that were interesting to them and to support them. We do need to strengthen that effort now, and that is what I'm currently doing. I am trying to mobilize this effort more and mobilize resources. And once again, I would like to thank the various organizations, the IMF and the World Bank that have helped us to do this. We want to educate as many children as possible. 
I believe, well, if you want to know what I think we need to do, I would say that education is the main thing that we have to do. And then after education, we have to think about jobs. We have to make sure that Africa can create jobs. And in this area, we are a continent that is expanding. Yes, we are developing. We are, we are a developing area. But gradually, we will be able to stabilize our institutions and add credibility to our administrations. And at that point, we will be in a better position to create jobs and also, therefore, keep our young people in Africa rather than uh, to lose them, uh, as is happening today. So that is the, my focus. I want to put the focus on education and jobs. And this will help us educate our young people and to keep them in Africa. Uh, I just want to remind the audience that I'm trying to feed in the questions from the audience as well, and we are trying to group them. Uh, so thank you. Uh, keep, keep sending your questions. Mm -hmm. So I will pivot on issues of peace and security, Chairwoman Bass, uh, to say the House Foreign Affairs Committee last month had a hearing focused on the deadly conflict in Ethiopia, Tigray province, I think. Uh, what are your thoughts on the role of the U.S. and others in stopping the killing and getting on the road to peace in Ethiopia? Um, I will answer your question. I do want to um, just say how much I, I support what the president was saying about the view of youth. Uh, we should never, ever, ever view our youth any other way other than an asset and never a liability. And, um, and one of the things that I have found um, about my time in Congress working on African issues, it reminds me so much of issues in the inner city in the United States. And so there are, have been many time periods when black youth were looked at as dangers, as a problem, as a liability. And I don't believe that about inner city youth in the United States, nor do I believe that about youth in Africa. I think it's an absolute uh, opportunity and responsibility for the world to make sure that they have um, an economy to participate in. And I also believe that education is key. In terms of the conflict of Ethiopia is just an absolute heartbreak. Um, I celebrated in a big way when Prime Minister Abiy won the Nobel Peace Prize and was so excited um, with his uh, leadership. And now the way things have uh, deteriorated is of major concern uh, to us here in the United States and major concern that the situation that exists now could get even worse. And so we are definitely focusing on humanitarian aid at this point and wanting to make sure that the routes to deliver that aid uh, are okay, can be opened up, and aid can be delivered without um, humanitarian uh, workers being killed. And you know that that has already happened. Uh, we certainly think that Eritrea needs to withdraw its troops. We, need, we believe that uh, peace and negotiations need to begin uh, immediately. Um, we have stopped some assistance, especially uh, military assistance. I am certainly hoping that we don't move in the direction of sanctions, but that is very possible. Uh, in addition to the humanitarian uh, relief, we are worried about parts of Ethiopia 
uh, facing famine. And so uh, it is a major, major topic uh, in the United States. And next week we will be voting on a resolution around uh, Ethiopia, the crisis and what is going on there. But you know, when there are various crises like this on the continent, I always look to the African Union, and this is, if it's appropriate, you know, a question that I would like to ask the president. What can the United States do to help the African Union increase its capacity and ability to intervene? Because I don't think it is a positive thing that European countries or the United States intervene in the conflicts in Africa. Uh, but we all know that many times there is no alternative. And so what can and should the United States be doing to increase the support capacity of the African Union? How can we help? President, the floor is yours. Merci. Thank you. First of all, I would like to say that what is happening in Ethiopia right now is truly awful. And I feel particularly close to that country uh, because of my role in the African Union. And I've had the opportunity to learn more about the situation in that country. And I do think it is urgent. So, uh, Madam Karen Bass, when you ask this question about what the United States can do, the first thing I would say uh, would be to share information with the African Union. You know, very often, and I've said this before, I've been in touch with the, um, the American ambassador in Kinshasa quite regularly, and often he, um, he reports to us. How could I put this? He, he brings us information about um, about the United States uh, demands or, or requests about the situation in Ethiopia. And very often he puts the focus on the humanitarian, uh, on the humanitarian question, but we don't receive a lot of information about that. So, you know, the African Union Charter, the charter trap blocks us in a certain way. Uh, it blocks certain efforts that the African Union can make in terms of intervening in Ethiopia, because quite simply, that charter, I think it's Article 4, that charter proclaims the sovereignty of member states of the African Union, and it also imposes non-interference amongst interior states. And the current conflict in Ethiopia is considered to be an internal affair. So that means that the African Union uh, all the African Union can do, and we have done so, is to send the Human Rights Commission, which has gone out into the field and has made reports. And then we can also discuss with the legitimate powers, the legitimate government in the country. And so we just have to see uh, what that can bring us, what that effort can bring us. And so that is why I'm asking for information it would be better if we could get even more detailed information um, from countries like the United States. That information would help us be able to apply pressure. For example, if we actually have proof that, that human rights are being violated, if we have that proof, 
then we can actually go show solidarity, uh, pan-African solidarity, and that will help our Ethiopian brothers um, in their own situation. So that's what I would say. And I would just say we just don't have enough information and we have a lot of questions. So we're a bit trapped as an institution. Do you mind? The African Union cannot go in. I, I would like to respond if that's okay. Um, uh, Mr. President, yes, thank you. Okay, thank you so much. Yes, please. I, I, was, I was taking notes while you were speaking. And I will follow up uh, with our, our ambassador, especially on the information, uh, the information request. But you know, I and I understand uh, the charter, and also especially back when it was the OAU, uh, the origins and the liberation movements that were going on at that time, the fight against colonialism. Understand why the charter would say that then. But I guess I, I just wonder if there's any opportunity to reevaluate that because what I found, you know, especially in the Sahel, you know, going to Mali, to have the former colonial powers have to go in, to be called in. I mean, I can only imagine to the people of Mali how difficult that must have been. And so maybe it's time uh, to take a second look at that. And I wonder if there's any discussions around the way because to call on the European countries or the Americans, and uh, the diaspora asked us that all the time. I was meeting with Ethiopian diaspora on Saturday and they wanted to know why the US didn't send in its military to resolve the situation in Ethiopia. And I was telling them self-determination. That was the call of the time period. You know, that it just seems inappropriate to me that the US would send its military you know, to I don't want to see that happen. Um, but I remember being in Mali when when they had to call on the French to help them. So that's why I, I, I just wonder if there's any discussion about that charter and, and again, ways for us to be supportive. I will absolutely follow up uh, with you on the issue of information, though, from our, our embassy. Uh, thank you, Chairwoman. I think, Mr. President, as we can see, you are talking with the right person, uh, having that the right conversation here. Unfortunately, this is the time we have. Uh, any final thoughts, Chairwoman Bass? Just, just, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to, to speak today. Uh, as I said before, it's great to see the president. I congratulate him for his leadership of the DRC and now of the African Union. And I do plan on coming your way soon. So hopefully I will see you in Addis. <laughs> Thank you. Vous êtes la bienvenue, Madame. You would be most welcome. Most welcome. Please come. Is your closing remarks? If any. No, si ce n'est que. Not particularly. I just want to thank you, and I want to encourage you to keep going with this type of initiative. This really was a wonderful opportunity to speak because currently there are experts, there are investors who are listening to us. And so I really do encourage this type of initiative that allows us to talk about Africa and that allows us to break down certain stereotypes that exist about Africa. Africa is not a, a, hor a horrifying situation. It is not a continent defined by poverty, misery, and violence. Our continent is also defined by opportunities. 
there are good people, there are brave people, there are men and women doing the right thing who are have a strong entrepreneurial spirit and who want to collaborate effectively. There are natural potentials here. Right now, the, Cong the Congo Basin and the forest area is is uh, is the this the second um, largest um, for, uh, rainforest in the world after the Amazon, and that resource of the forest helps us absorb carbon. It helps us limit greenhouse the effects of greenhouse gases. So we have solutions. We have solutions for humankind. We need to pay more attention to Africa. And we can do that by building our capacities for resilience uh, faced with the pandemic in particular today, but also in light of all the other types of challenges that we are facing, for example, insecurity. And I do think that, that if Africans have been able to rid themselves of all of these difficulties uh, that are not natural difficulties, then I think that Africa if Africa can get rid of these difficulties, Africa will be able to speak for itself in the world, and Africa can provide its own solutions. So thank you very much for this honor that you've given me. Thank you for the honor of speaking with you today. Thank you, uh, President Sisekedi. This has been an excellent discussion. Uh, we are honored. The, U the newly established uh, Africa Center USIP is really honored to have play a part in this conversation, and we hope to have many more uh, dialogues of this type. Uh, in closing, I would like to thank our distinguished guest, President Felix Tisekedi, Chairwoman Bass, and also I would like to thank you, the audience, for being part of this USIP Africa Center program. I hope you find it rewarding, and please enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this event. If you'd like to listen to more events or explore our other podcasts, visit usip.org forward slash podcasts.